Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. So we're taking a look at this word, working together. And as I mentioned last week, we took a look at working together with God. And that's so important because if we want to accomplish anything in the ministry, it must be done with the Lord. It can't be just me, and it can't be just you. It can't be just us together. We need the Lord. If we want eternal spiritual results, we need the Holy Spirit to work. And so we need to be working together with the Lord. And so that's so important. Today, though, we're going to take it another step further and really take a look at when we think about synergy or we think about working together, uh, what most of us would think about, which is we're working together with other people, right? You and I working together in the ministry. And synergy is necessary in the church. We're not just a bunch of people doing our own thing who just happen to come together on a Sunday morning. If we are going to accomplish something for the kingdom, if we are going to edify the church, then we must do it together. We've got to work together. We've got to serve together. And we need to be able to accomplish that in the Lord. And so I want to take a look at a few principles of how we can build that kind of synergy, how we can build that kind of uh, spirit of working together with one another. So a few principles this morning, the first of which is the accessibility of synergy. So when you think of uh, the word synergy, and when I think of the word synergy, probably most of us will think about uh, people that we really get along with and we really work together really well with, right? You might think about your best friend. Think about somebody that, you know, when you get together, you have a great time, you totally understand each other, and uh, you laugh, and and, uh, you get things done. And uh, you might think about having synergy with your best friend. You might think about having synergy with, uh, you know, that that coworker that's the best coworker on your team. You know, you really enjoy being with that person. You work together, so understanding, and you complement each other so well. And you might have a coworker. You might have a family member. You know, you've grown up together, cousins or siblings or, you know, some other relatives that y- you really know them and they really know you and you really understand each other. And we, you really work together because of whatever kind of particular circumstance. But in the Bible, I think it's important for us to realize that synergy doesn't have to work with only some kinds of people. That synergy is available for everyone. And synergy is available between every single believer. If you're saved, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you've acknowledged that you're a sinner that you have broken God's law, that you have strayed away from God, and that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. He was buried. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. And you called upon the name of the Lord, and you are now saved. And there's another person who is also saved. They've acknowledged the same things about their sin and who Jesus Christ is and his sacrifice. And they called upon the name of Jesus Christ to, to be their Savior you too can have synergy. It's not exclusive between just one believer and a few other believers. Any believer can have synergy with every other believer. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Because the Bible makes it pretty clear 
when Paul is using this word of synergy or working together, he uses it to describe just about every kind of person that he ran across. Paul had synergy with people who are of the opposite gender. He had synergy, he obviously was a man, had synergy not just with other men, but also with women. That's the verse that we took a look at. Romans chapter 16, verse number three. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. So Priscilla and Aquila, they were a husband and wife, they were a couple, and they met Paul and they worked together. And you'll notice that Paul says of both of them that I work together with both of these people. He, uh, he, Aquila, he was, we had synergy together, and I also had synergy together with Priscilla. We worked together. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 3, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. And so he mentions, hey, I want you all to work together with those women and also Clement, we work together, and I want you to work together with them as well. And so Paul is mentioning, you know, this synergy is not just between a man and another man or a woman and another woman. It can be a man can work together with a woman. Paul had synergy with those that were different ages from him. They were part of a different generation. In uh, Romans chapter 16, he calls Timothy, or in that verse, Timotheus, my work fellow. We worked together. Somebody that I had synergy with. And if you know Timothy, uh, in, in one of the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy, the first one, he writes, unto Timothy, my own son in the faith. Paul was obviously the elder, Timothy being the younger. We might consider them to be a part of different generations, so much so that Timothy, or uh, Paul thought of himself as the father in a father-son type of relationship, and yet they were able to work together quite well. Titus is another individual. In 2 Corinthians, he calls Titus, whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you. So he calls Titus also somebody that he worked together with. And in the book of Titus, he calls him my own son after the common faith. And so Titus was also somebody who was younger. He was part of a different generation. And I know that, you know, a lot is made about the different generations, right? We have names for the different generations here, right? You have the silent generation. You have the baby boomer generation. You have generation X. You have millennials, right? And if we're to ask you, all right, you know, what generation are you a part of? You know, how many millennials do we have? We would say, oh yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a millennial. You know, I was born in the 80s, so I'm, I'm a millennial. And uh, some of you might be part of a different generation. And each generation has their own character traits, right? Because of the way that they grew up, the, the accessibility, the economic situation, all sorts of different things, right? One of the things that is noted about those that grew up during the Great Depression, they were savers their whole lives because they grew up in a lot of poverty. So that generation was one that they were real savers. The generation that we have today is the opposite of savers. We are spenders, you know, and we accumulate debt and things like that. We have very different generations. Each generation has their own different character traits, particularly starting with my generation, but the following generation, what, I don't think there's a name for this generation. Those that are born basically 2000 or later, there might be a name, but uh, I don't think anything is stuck. But that generation grew up 
not just with the internet. That was my generation. We kind of had the internet when we were kind of young and, and little. This generation not only has the internet, but they're growing up with smartphones, right? You know, you've seen one, two, three-year-olds with smartphones and tablets, and they know how to swipe and stuff like that. You know, that's going to create a very different culture within that generation. And, uh, you know, they're talking about how the new generation, because, you know, they're on social media and things like that, you know, their attention span is a lot shorter because, you know, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, and it's six seconds, it's 15 seconds, and then, all right, move on. And, you know, it's the, each generation has their own different character traits, for better or for worse. And sometimes those different traits can create a little bit of a conflict that one generation thinks this way and a different generation thinks differently and they don't get along. And we think, oh, that generation thinks, I can't work together with that generation. They don't understand me and I don't understand them. But Paul very clearly had great synergy with somebody of a different generation, somebody that was significantly younger uh, uh, than him. And we can all have synergy with people of different generations. And it's great for us to be able to have synergy with people of different generations, that the older generation can work together with the younger, and the younger generation working together with the older, and each of us really learning from each other. We also see that Paul had synergy with people who are of a different ethnicity from him. Paul, obviously, being Jewish, he worked together with a lot of people who were Jewish. Most of the believers in the early days, they were Jewish. You know, there in Jerusalem, the first church, it was Jewish people that were there. Uh, we think about some of the associates of Paul in the early days. Barnabas, he was Jewish. Silas, he was Jewish. Even in the letters, when he writes about uh, some of his fellow workers, they were Jewish, right? In Colossians chapter 4, he writes, Aristarchus, my fellow, uh, fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sisters to son, uh, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come unto you, receive him, and Jesus, who is called Justice, who are of the circumcision. So these three, they're all Jewish, and he says, these only are my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God. So he says, these are my uh, fellow workers, we work together, we have synergy together, if you want to use that phrase, they're all Jewish. But not everybody that Paul worked with was Jewish. We mentioned Timothy, and Timothy actually came from a mixed background. His mother was Jewish, his father was Greek. Not only that, we see that his mother was a believer, and apparently his father was not. In Acts 16, when we first meet him, it says, then came he, then came Paul to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman who was a Jewish, a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So apparently his mom was Jewish and was a believer. She was saved. The father was not Jewish. He was Greek. And apparently, because it doesn't say so, we assume that he was not a believer. So Timothy was, I mean, we may not use this... Uh, he might not think of it this way, but if you could think of it this way, he was half Jewish, half Greek. I know it doesn't always work that way, but, you know, based on his parents, he was kind of coming up in a mixed uh, household. Not only that, Paul actually did work with some Gentiles in, in Philemon, verse number 24. He lists a couple of his fellow laborers, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, and Lucas, right? Marcus is you would know him as Mark, right? The Gospel of Mark, that's this Mark. He was Jewish. We talked about him just a few moments ago. He was the nephew of Barnabas. 
Aristarchus. He was somebody who traveled a lot with Paul. He was there in the Roman prison. He was from Thessalonica, and he was there. He was Jewish. Demas, we don't know too much about. We know that he was one that forsook Paul in the ministry. He quit on God. Uh, he was there. The last one is Lucas, right? And uh, Lucas, we will probably know as, more often as Luke, right? You know, you have the book of Luke in the Bible. The book of Acts was written by Luke. Luke was a physician. He was the author of those two books. And Luke was a Gentile. And so if you know anything about Jews and Gentiles, particularly in, you know, when you think about this day and age, those that were Jewish often didn't like those that were Gentile, and therefore the Gentiles didn't like those that were Jewish. And yet you see that Paul was able to work very closely as somebody who was Jewish with somebody who was Gentile. So the ethnicity was able to be crossed, and Paul was able to have great, close working fellowship with somebody who was of a completely different background from him. Not only that, Paul had synergy with people who were of different uh, levels of wealth. In Philemon, he writes to Philemon. Philemon was apparently somebody who was quite wealthy. He owned a large home, big enough uh, to house and uh, have the, the meeting place of the church at Colossae. Paul was not so wealthy. Now, he could have been wealthy, but he gave it up for the ministry and often was in financial needs. But Paul was able to work quite well with those that were wealthy. And you see the early church there in Acts chapter number 2, some were quite wealthy, some were not wealthy. In verse 44, And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. So in this verse, you see that in the early church, there were some that were quite wealthy, wealthy enough to have extra pieces of land, land that they could sell. On the other hand, you had believers who were so poor that they couldn't take care of their basic needs on a day-to-day -day basis. And so these believers, they worked together in the ministry, and those that had, they sold and gave to those that had nothing. And they, so some were wealthy, some were not, but you see that there was a lot of working together. In verse number 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many uh, wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together. In verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. So when you take a look at all of the different verses that are here, I think it's pretty obvious and clear Paul could have synergy with anybody, right? Didn't matter if he was older than them. Didn't matter if he was younger than them. It didn't matter if they were men. Didn't matter if they were women. It didn't matter if they came from a different cultural background, had a different upbringing, had a different profession. It didn't matter whether they were wealthy, whether they were poor. The point is that Paul could have synergy and work together with anybody. And I think that's so important. When you take a look at this church here and you just kind of look around, you see a lot of different kinds of people. And praise the Lord for that. Amen? Praise the Lord that we do have lots of different kinds of people. People from all over the world. Some of you were born here. Some of you were not born here. Some of your, your first language is English. 
Some of you, your first language is not English. You grew up with a different language and you learned English later. Some of you have different cultures. You came from different countries, different backgrounds, different ways of thinking about things, and, and uh, all sorts of differences, different levels of wealth, different levels of education, different kinds of jobs. Some of you might be white collar, some of you might be blue collar. I mean, all sorts of differences across the board. And it's easy for us to think, well, because I'm this way, I can only work with other people who are just like this. But Paul was able to work with just about anybody. And I think that is God's desire in the church. God's desire in the church is that everybody be able to work together with everybody. Now, I know that there will always be some difficulties in the ministry, particularly here in a church like ours, in an area like ours, you know, we have different ministries here. We have a Spanish ministry, we have a Korean ministry, and, uh, you know, to some extent you could work together, but if you don't speak Korean and that person doesn't speak English, you might have a hard time communicating, you know, you t you hand signals or whatever, it could be a little difficult. And so we understand those basic barriers, but the idea is that we could work together with anybody and have synergy together with anybody. Now, there is a certain place for us to have our different, unique situations and groups, right? So, for instance, here in our church, we have a service where the preaching is in English, the songs are in English, the announcements are in English, but we have other services where the announcements are not in English, they're in Spanish, the message is in Spanish, they sing the songs in Spanish. You know, there's a reason for that, because if you're fluent in English, this is the place for you. But if you don't really speak English and you speak Spanish, well, there's a service for you. There's a place for you. We also have, right now, different classes. We have a kid's class. So we have a place where, yeah, it probably makes sense where you have a class for little kids, right? You could break the biblical principles down where a six-year-old could understand what the Bible says, you know? And, and there might be some things where you would want to talk to adults and the kids have something else and, and you have little nursery kids. And so there's a place for different classes. We have men's and ladies fellowships from time to time. But in a church, we can work together. That is God's goal. And synergy is available to every ministry of the church. In fact, working together with people who are not like us, specifically working together with people who are not like us, is important. In fact, that's many of the, the things that we think about in terms of synergy. It means that we're working together with somebody not like us, right? When you think about all of the biggest businesses in the world and you think about all of the people that, that, that work at that company, the reason why the company works is because there are so many different kinds of people, right? Think about, you know, what is, is Apple the biggest company in the world, you know, still? Like, you know, it's one of the biggest companies, right? So you need to have lots of different kinds of people. If you're going to build these iPhones, you need to have engineers, right? They're very, they have a certain way of thinking, very mathematical, maybe very analytical. They know physics, or they know, you know, mechanical engineering. They know software. They, they, they think a very particular way. They're this way. 
But not only do you need that, you need somebody to sell the iPhone, right? We've all seen the iPhone ads and the ads of Apple and, the, you know, you could tell those were not made by engineers, right? That was made by somebody very different from an engineer. Somebody in design, somebody in marketing, somebody with, you know, that kind of creative talent. So you have this kind of person who builds a product and you have a different kind of person who sells the product. Right? But not only that, you have a lot of people that work in, in accounting and finance, right? You need another person who's able to take, take you know, all of the notes and make sure all of the money is in the right place and all of the accounting is in, in, in the right situation. And you have human resources, you have logistics, right? You have one part made over here and another part made over here. You got to get it together at the same time with the same number and put it together and all of those sorts of things. And so it is not just that we work together with people who are like us to build great things. We need to be able to work with people who are not like us. And that is one of the, the ways that greatness is built. Without it, it's very difficult. You can think of your own body. The reason why your body works is because you have different parts to your body. And so you have hands, you have eyes, you have ears, you have mouths, you have joints and you have legs and feet. It's because they are all different that they can work together so well. Synergy in relationships as well. In a marriage, you have a man and you have a woman, right? Men are very different from women and women are different from men. God created us that way and that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. Right? It's good in a family to have a man and a woman, for children to have a father and a mother, to have that masculine perspective from the father, to have the feminine perspective from the mother, to be able to work together. And it's a wonderful thing. They won't always agree, they won't always think the same way, but in many ways, that's what makes it so great. So we see that Paul makes it very clear that synergy of working together is accessible for everyone. The next point, which I've kind of alluded to, is the advantage of synergy. Right? One of the big points of synergy is that because we are different, working together gives us an advantage. If every single one of us were exactly the same, all right, imagine if we all thought exactly the same way, and we all had exactly the same skills, we all had exactly the same perspective, there would be absolute perfect unity, right? Because we all think the same way. We all have the same skills. And so we think, well, this must be the way that we solve all of these things. We all think the same way. We would react the same way. We would talk about it the same way. We would come up with the same solutions and we would all, every single vote would be 100% unanimous. We would all think exactly the same way, vote exactly in the same direction, right? But it's good in a church to have people who are different, right? We're here on a Sunday morning and we have the Christmas decorations, right? And uh, we have the wreath and we have, you know, the little houses over here and on, you know, on the doors you have the wreaths and there's the little homes and things like that, you know? That's not something I could do because I'm not, I'm not like a creative type, right? That's not my strength. That's somebody else who's got a mind of creativity saw something and said, this would look great and put it all together and put it up there and it's great and it's wonderful and you need to have people like that. 
And I'm glad that we have people like that because I'm not like that, right? If it were up to me, the decorations would be very different. Let's just put it that way, <laughs> right? And so you need different kinds of people because you have different skills, right? One of the skills that I have is I, I can play the piano. One of the things that you've probably noticed that I've never done here is sing a solo. I've never sung a special. There's a reason for that, all right? All right I'm trying to spare you, right? I'm trying to be a blessing and not a hindrance, so that's why I don't sing specials, but I can play the piano. Now imagine if everyone were just like me, right? Imagine if all of you were just like me, where you could all play the piano. Now what are we supposed to do with that? Put pianos at every single seat, every single one of you has a piano, but nobody can sing. So I'll just play the piano there in our seats, right? Now it'd be great if somebody could sing, right? So here is somebody who could sing, but nobody plays the piano. Now you have somebody singing up here, it's an acapella, it's still great, it's, it's still wonderful. Now imagine somebody else who plays the piano but can't sing. They play the piano, it's great. But you put the two together and you get some great music together. Why? It's because they are different and they have different skills, working together creates something better than just one by himself. And so it's great to have differences in the church. Not only that, not just natural talents and abilities, not just your cultural upbringing or language or, you know, uh, uh, you know, your masculine or feminine perspective, things like that. There are spiritual differences that God gives to us. In Romans chapter 12, God talks about the spiritual gifts. For as many have members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. So every believer has a gift, but not every believer has the same gift. Well, what are the gifts? Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Preaching, that's what he's talking about. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. So somebody who just wants to serve, just somebody who wants to get out there and do something or he that teacheth on teaching, somebody who can explain something so that you would understand it. He that exhorteth on exhortation. You just need somebody to build you up, just encourage you, just kind of, hey, let's go. Hey, you're doing great. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. All right, we do need those that give financially. He that ruleth with diligence. Those that are organized, those that are able to administrate, those that are able to lead, we need that. He that showeth mercy, with cheerfulness. Sometimes when you make the wrong choice, you don't need anybody to tell you what you should have done. You just needed somebody to tell you, say, hey, you know what? I'm here for you. I still love you. We forgive you. Hey, let's move on forward for the Lord. All right. You need people like that. And God makes it clear that these gifts come from God. And he also makes it clear that he specifically doesn't give the same gifts to everyone. It's on purpose that you have a different spiritual gift from somebody else. See, if God wanted to make it easy, he would have just given us all the same gift, right? If we all had the same gift, then we would all be in unity, right? Because we would all think the same way, right? If we all had the gift of exhortation, every single one of us would be like, hey, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's go. And everybody, yeah, let's go together. Everybody would be on board. 
But then you would need somebody to be like, okay, all right, let's go, but where are we going, okay? All right, let's figure out where we are going. And then you need somebody to be like, all right, yeah, let's go, but how are we going to pay for this stuff, all right? We need somebody to give, you know? All of those different gifts work together, and God could have given all of those gifts to everybody. He didn't have to limit the gift of mercy or giving or preaching or teaching to just one person. He could have given all of those gifts to all of us and everybody would be fully sufficient. But God didn't. He gave different gifts to different kinds of people so that we would work together. When you think about carpenters, carpenters have different tools, right? They have circular saws, they have hammers, they have chisels, they have all sorts of different things. They have glues and nails and screws and all sorts of different tools. Based on the problem that he's faced with, based on what he's trying to build, he will use different tools, right? If he's trying to build a cabinet, he might build, you know, use, it one, use certain kinds of tools. If he's trying to build a deck, he might use more of different kinds of tools. Now, some of the tools might overlap, but based on what he's building, there would be different kinds of tools. And it's true of Christians as well that God uses different people in different situations, in different places, and God uses the different gifts of different believers when it is needed. So let's go back to Paul. We've been talking about Paul a lot, and uh, Paul was a great leader, right? He was a great preacher, charismatic leader, really spearheading, you know, the, the gospel ministry, really mission-minded, loved the Lord, and, you know, he was the one that was kind of the leader, right? You know, in, in Acts chapter number 14, it says that they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. So Paul was the one that would kind of speak the most, preach the most. He was kind of the leader. He was the one that would kind of get all of the attention, right? We focus a lot on Paul in the, in, in the book of Acts, in the letters that he wrote, in part because he was the leader. He would be the one to speak the most. He would be the one to get the attention. He would be the one often making the decisions. And it would be tempting for us to think, wouldn't it be great if every Christian were just like Paul? Every single Christian were just a preacher of the gospel like Paul? Every Christian had a mission-mindedness like Paul? Hey, let's get out there. Let's reach somebody with the gospel. Let's go to new places. People haven't heard the gospel before. Let's go reach these people. And it wouldn't be great if everybody were a leader, just like Paul, and able to make decisions and move forward, and everybody had a fervency and zeal, just like Paul. Wouldn't it be great if every Christian were just like Paul? It might be tempting to think, yeah, it would be great if every Christian were just like Paul. But if you read the book of Acts, you'll know that Paul would go into a city and he would preach the gospel and people would get saved. And then often in those cities, people would not be happy with that and they would try to kill whoever was leading this movement in town. And most often they would go after Paul. So oftentimes Paul would go into a city he would preach the gospel, a church would be planted, and then he would have to run away. He would be forced out of town, sometimes after just a few weeks. So Paul was great in going in there, but then he would be forced out. That's where somebody like Timothy comes in. Timothy seemed to be somebody that's not quite so loud and boisterous. He still loved the Lord, still was faithful, preaching and teaching the word, but definitely had more of a maybe mild temperament. I don't know if that's the right way to describe him, but oftentimes Paul would go to a place 
and he would be forced on, but he would leave Timothy behind. Now, Timothy was a great person to have continuing in the ministry because he was not one to draw so much attention to himself. You know, he's a little bit quieter, not quite so, you know, kind of boisterous in some ways. And Timothy may not have been the spearhead of ministry like Paul was, but when Paul was forced out of a town, Timothy was able to do some great work after Paul. That's one of the reasons why Paul and Timothy could work so well together. Paul would spearhead the ministry and preaching the gospel in a new place, and then Timothy would often follow behind in ministry following after Paul. They were a great team together. Or maybe you need somebody like Barnabas. Without a Barnabas, we're not sure that we would see Paul the way that we see him in the Bible. Because when Paul, at the time he was known as Saul, when he got saved, he was a persecutor of the church. He was going out to try to arrest Christians. And then he got saved and he said, now that I'm saved, I want to be with other believers. And all of the believers are like, uh-uh, I don't think so. This sounds like a trap. <laughs> right? This sounds like you're trying to trick us to find out where we are and then get us all arrested. And no way, I'm not doing that. Yeah, there's something fishy about what you're doing. First, you're, you know, you're, gonna, you're, you're trying to arrest all of the Christians and then suddenly you're a believer? That sounds too good to be true. I don't believe it. I don't believe you. But there was somebody who did believe him. In Acts chapter number 9, it says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed, or he tried to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. They're like, oh, uh, no, no, you can't come here. You're, gonna, you're just going to arrest us. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas was the kind of person to come alongside of a fellow believer and vouch for him. Somebody who would say, you know what, I, I, I'm supporting this, this believer. I know it sounds hard to believe, but he's really saved. And you can trust me on this. In Acts chapter number 11, it says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to, Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So again, you see Barnabas, as Saul seems to be more isolated from the churches, that Barnabas goes out, finds Paul, and brings him back into the church. That is Barnabas's gift, if you will. He is the kind of person that really tries to bring people together. Hey, you know, let's, let's bring Paul into the church. He could be a real asset. He's a believer too. Let's get him together. It's interesting to note because Paul was not that kind of person, right? Paul went on ministry. He went in the mission field. Uh, there's some verses here, Acts chapter number 15. You can read them later for sake of time. We won't read the verses, but he went out on the mission field and Barnabas's nephew, Mark, went with him. And for whatever reason, in the middle of the trip, he said, I've had enough. And he quit and he went back home. Paul and Barnabas finish the trip, they come back around, they come back home to Antioch, and then they, they meet up, up with Mark again, and they decide, hey, let's go out and let's see how the churches are doing. We led people to the Lord, we planted the churches there, but we got to make sure that they're doing well. So let's go again. And Barnabas says, great idea, let's bring Mark. And Paul is like, nah, -uh. 
Mark quit on us last time. I'm not having a quitter on my team. No, he cannot come with us. And Barnabas says, oh, come on, just give him another chance. You know, he's just younger. Let's give him some time. Let's give him another chance. And Paul is like, no, I am not going with Mark. Mark is not allowed to come with me. And the division was so strong that Paul said, I'm taking Silas and I'm going this way. And Barnabas took Mark and they went another way. Paul was not that kind of person to say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vouch for you. I'm going to give you another chance. He said, we're out in ministry. Let's get at it. That, that was Paul's mentality. Later, though, we see that Mark does come back faithful in ministry. And Paul even describes him in the book of 2 Timothy, take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Mark really did quit on Paul in the ministry. But Mark also needed somebody to give him another chance. Now, Paul took him at the first time, but he didn't at the second time. You know who Mark needed the second time? He didn't need a Paul. You know who he needed? He needed a Barnabas. He needed somebody who would be an exhorter, maybe had some more mercy, and was able to help him, encourage him, build him up, so that later he was able to serve. Apollos is another individual, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. So here we have these two individuals, Paul and Apollos, that are apparently, you know, being a, a source of division. It's not their fault, but they were dividing themselves according to these groups. But the way that Paul talks about their teamwork and ministry is in 1 Corinthians 3, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He said, I was the first one to get out there into the field, but when I had to move on, Apollos came in after me and he watered the field and he was able to serve in a very different kind of way. So it is because Paul and Timothy were different that they could work so well. It's because Paul and Barnabas were so different that they were able to minister to Mark in different ways. With Apollos, he was able to work at different times for different purposes. And so it's great to have different kinds of people. Now, that's all good in theory, but we all know that differences can bring conflict, right? When I think we should do this and somebody else thinks that they should do something else, instead of being an advantage, it can be divisive, right? That's why it can be a little scary to have so many differences. It's easier to work with somebody who thinks just like you, right? Who has the same answers, has the same tendencies, you have the same cultural upbringing, you speak the same language, you have the same wealth status, you have the same education level, same background, same experiences in life, same goals in life, same uh, status in life, you're part of the same generation, you know, all of these sorts of, it makes it a lot easier, right? There's a reason why single people, they like to hang out with single people. Why? Because they're single, they have free time, you know, they're not, you know, but when you're married, it becomes totally different. And then especially when you have kids, you know, a lot of them hang out together. Why is that? Well, because they're part of the same stage of life. They begin to think similarly. And it's those differences that can, can bring some conflict, right? It's been said that to a hammer, every problem is a nail, right? No matter what it is, let's just hammer it down, right? A screwdriver would think, well, if we just turn it around a little bit, then it'll take care of itself, right? A saw will think, just cut it off, all right? Just cut it off. Just, just cut it off. Hammer will be like, no, let's just hammer it down. Saw is like, no, just cut it off. And so 
it, it sounds great that our differences could be an advantage and God meant them to be an advantage, but how can we work together when we're so different? Well, that brings us to the author of synergy. The reason synergy is possible between people who are very different, as different as men might be from women, as different as a millennial might be from a baby boomer, as different as somebody who has no education with somebody who's got a PhD, as different as somebody who's got a lot of money and somebody who really doesn't have any money at all, uh, different cultures, different backgrounds, different languages, different uh, stages of life. The reason synergy is possible is because of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 3, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with, other, with my other fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. If you want synergy in the church, and if you want synergy with other believers, you must have your name written in the book of life. Now, what is that? Well, in Revelation chapter 20, it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What does it mean to have your name written in the book of life? It means that you are saved. It means that your sins are forgiven. It means that you have trusted in Christ's sacrifice and in his sacrifice alone to save you from your sins. You're not trusting in Christ and going to church. You're not trusting in Christ and being baptized. You're not trusting in Christ and I go to church services. You're not trusting in Christ and I give in the offering. You're not trusting in Christ and I, I do some good things. I'm not a bad person. You trust in Christ alone to save you from your sins, and you can be saved. When you get saved, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you are born again. You are born into the family of God. God is now your heavenly Father. We're on the same side. If you're saved, and I'm saved, we're on the same side. We have the same heavenly Father, and we are now brothers and sisters together in Christ. But it takes more than just being part of the same family to have synergy. That's a basic requirement. If you're not saved, you must be born again. But there's a reason why sibling rivalry is a thing, right? Brothers and sisters grow up with the same parents, in the same home, with the same culture, with the same language, with the same upbringing, the same education, they eat the same foods, they go to the same places, they go to the same vacation spots, but that doesn't mean that they get along, do they? Some siblings do not. Now, just because you have the same parents doesn't mean that your kids just automatically love each other every single second of every single day. I wish that that were the case. But we all have a flesh nature, right? That's, the, that's, that's what it is. So just because you have the same parents doesn't mean that you automatically get along. And it's actually the same for Christians as well. 
Just because you're saved doesn't automatically mean that you get along with every other Christian. Just because you have the same Heavenly Father as me doesn't mean that we can have perfect synergy and work together. You know, in the early church, there were a lot of instances of church members that did not get along. In Acts chapter number six, there was an issue where some of the widows were taken care of and others were not. So, and there were some obvious reasons for that, but the idea was that some would take care of their own and others were not, and that created a conflict. How come you're taking care of those widows, but not these widows? How come you're taking care of this widow, but not the widow that, you know, that I, that I know of? That's not fair. And that created a conflict. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 2, I beseech Yodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. Paul the apostle writes to the church at Philippi and calls out these two women that says, hey, get along. That's what he's saying. Get along. Work together. You're not working together. You need to work together. So even though they were saved, they were part of the same church, they had the same Heavenly Father, they did not work together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that everyone that's of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? See, Christians can be divided, even though they are saved. So just being saved doesn't automatically bring synergy. Just because you're a member of Bible Baptist Church doesn't mean that we'll automatically have synergy with every other believer that is here. And that's often why you see churches become very imbalanced. You see churches become imbalanced because instead of having synergy with every believer that is here, they only have synergy with a particular group of people within the church. Right? I only work together with these people. I only hang out with these people. I only serve together with these people. Now, why is that? Well, in part, because it's very natural. It's natural for you to want to work together with people who are just like you. We think the same, we live the same, we talk the same, we, you know, we have the same backgrounds, whatever. There's a very natural reason for that, but again, that is not God's plan. God's plan is for His church to work together no matter what differences that there are. Your hand has to work together with your eye. Now, what does your eye and your hand have in common? Nothing, except they are part of the same body. And they are all controlled by the same mind. That's what brings synergy. Synergy is not, well, I'm a hand, and I can only work together with other people who are hands. See, I see another hand over here. We can work great together. But hands without eyes don't work very well, right? You know, there's a, a youth game, all right? I don't know if you've ever done this, Brother Robbie, but there's this game where you have two people work together, and one of them is blindfolded. They can only use their hands. The other person has their hands tied behind their back, 
but they can only use their eyes, right? So you have two different people, and they're supposed to work together to accomplish the task. They're supposed to build something together, but one of them can only use their hands. They can't see anything. And it's just kind of funny because somebody's going, no, 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 move your hands over here. No, 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 do this, do that, or, you know, and it can be very difficult if they don't work together very well. But if you have somebody who has their eyes and their hands connected to the same brain, it becomes very easy, very simple. That synergy is very high. And so it's important for us as a church to make sure that synergy is spread across the entire church. That we desire to work with people who are not like us. Specifically working with people who are not like us. Because God gave different gifts to different people with the intent that these different people work together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, Because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the sm hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Evidently, there were some people in the church who looked across the aisles, who looked at all of those people that were different from them and said, I don't belong here. I'm different from everybody else. I'm different from those people. Not realizing God specifically put that different person in the church to fill the hole that the church needed to be filled. His example is, if the foot looks at the hand and says, wow, the, the hand seems to be doing all of this stuff. I'm nothing like a hand. Maybe I need to go find another church that is just like me. And then he goes to the church that is, all of the members are just feet, right? They can go everywhere, but they can't pick up anything, you know? Like this, this, this is what was happening in the church. And it's tempting to think, I want to find people who are just like me. That's the tension that differences can be divisive instead of being a benefit. So how can we make sure that our differences do not become divisive? That, our, that we don't give in to that natural human tendency of just clumping together with people who are just like me. The way, the way that we do that, and the answer is Jesus Christ. That brings us all the way back to the first verse that we read today, Romans chapter 16, verse number three. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers, my synergistic working together fellow believers. What are the last three words? In Christ Jesus. They are my helpers. We work together in Christ Jesus. Verse number nine of the same chapter, salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. We must be in Christ to work together. We have to be followers of Christ. You have to be a disciple of Christ. How do we make sure that we're all going the same direction when we are all following the same person? If you and I are both saved, but we're following different things, we cannot be united. 
We're going different directions. We cannot be together. We cannot work together because we're not going in the same direction. And God has given to us a way to be united. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 4. Now there are diversities of gifts. So Paul is pointing out the differences within the church. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. You are different, and yet you are the same. You have different abilities, but you have the same God. You have different gifts, but you have the same Holy Spirit living within you. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. So what is the illustration here? The illustration is the brain thinks about what do I want to do? I'm going to pick the body part that will accomplish that best, right? Sometimes I just need to look over there and see. Sometimes I need to listen. Sometimes I need to speak. Sometimes I need to move over there. Sometimes I need to use my hands and pick things up. So it is the Holy Spirit moving through the individual members that coordinates things together. Because there's no way a hand and a foot could coordinate themselves together by themselves. They need somebody else to coordinate things for them, that being the Lord. That is why holiness matters. That is why love matters. That is why forgiveness matters. That is why your relationship with God matters. Because if you are not in a close relationship with God, there is no way that you could have synergy with your church. It's not possible. Why? Because you've disconnected yourself from the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean that you're lost. Once you're saved, you're always saved. We understand that. But you've disconnected yourself from the God who unites you with the other members of your church. And so God has designed the church to have differences, diversities, working together in unity, all of the members working together in synergy, taking advantage of all of these differences for the edification of the church. But all of that is only possible by Jesus Christ. That's why when we have an invitation time and we say things like, you know what, if you know that you have sin in your heart, that you've committed a sin against the Lord, you've broken the word of God, you need to get that right with God. Not just for your own sake, as important as that is, but for the sake of the church, so that we could work together, so that we could see this church to be built. Things like that matter. And so that's why God says, all right, I've given to you a vastly diverse, different group of people, but for a good reason. Because everybody has a different place, a different ability, a different gift, a different thing that they could do, that God is going to put all of us together that are saved, members of this church, working together 
to accomplish things for the glory of God. That is the idea of synergy within the church.